This is Inaudible. Good evening, everybody. How you doing? Welcome back to Inaudible. As I read through my book, The War Cleric. Um, motivation's running just a little bit low, I'm not going to lie. I uh, don't... Oh, man. I want to get through the whole book, but sometimes it feels like an exercise in futility. Not in like a whiny, oh, I want anybody listen to me kind of way, but just in like a very real, nobody's listening kind of way. <laughs> if you are here, then I do really appreciate it. I do have a little bit of feedback to address, and then we'll jump into it here. Um, thank you very much to... Uh, I won't name you, because I never know if people want to be named or not. Um, but I got a whole list, uh, a sheet of feedback from somebody. And unfortunately, it was read to me about f four weeks ago now. Uh, if you don't know, it's been a long time since I've recorded. It's uh, June 19th right now, and I think last time I recorded was mid to like late May. So it's been a couple weeks, a few weeks. Um, but Tom did provide a bunch of feedback to me from one person in particular. I thought that I would be recording a lot earlier than I am, so I thought I would remember it. Uh, as it is, I'm going to do my best to address it, but if I miss any, just, you know, hit me up again. I will speak to it. Some of it was really good. Um, there's a lot of feedback on uh, enunciating and whispers and not doing voices. Uh, <laughs> that one stung a little bit. I am trying to do voices. I do know they're not the best. But this was never going to be uh, great because of my performance. Honestly, I'm, I'm kind of uncomfortable doing it still. Uh, I wish that I could afford a professional voice actor or a professional reader to do it. Um, but I felt like I was enunciating and doing voices, so bummer. The whispering is very specifically, that's just Nordstrom. And the reason why is because in print, everything he says is italicized. And the reader gets to learn that anytime something is italicized, it's Nordstrom talking. The only thing I could think of that would match that uh, in recording was whispering. And I just knew that I wouldn't have anybody else really whisper through the rest of the book. So that's why that happened. Um, the other thing was something about chapter breaks. Uh, you feel like having chapter breaks disrupts the story. I don't 100% know what to say about that one. I think I'm kind of confused about what you were saying. If you're talking about saying like the new chapter, like when I go from chapter 7 to chapter 8, that's pretty industry standard. It would be kind of weird because there'd be a setting change and character change. If I didn't say that there'd been a chapter change, that'd probably be pretty weird. If you're saying like when I talk between episodes, there's definitely a case that could be made for cutting all of this out. I like to make it a bit more interactive. I think that there's, let's just say that I ever start getting more feedback, I think it's more fun if I'm talking about it with uh, the imaginary audience and not the back of my desk right now. But I definitely don't think that that's wrong. It'd probably be a lot smoother if I just started reading the book and, and never did any intro or exits or anything like that. So that's not bad. Uh, much more interesting to me, the one story kind of feedback that you had was that you feel like there should be a transitional chapter between when Ankh gets back to uh, Magna Lucius and when the story keeps going. This is not the first time I've gotten the feedback that people want more in the school. Um, I'm going to just, I don't want to argue like I'm right and you're wrong. I'm going to justify it from my thought perspective. And then I'd love to hear more, probably when we're done with the whole school arc, if you feel like it needs more. 
But my thought process was, so Ank would get back to the school, and then he would be acting weird, and everybody would say, you're acting weird, and he'd run back to his tent. And <clears throat> that would happen just over and over again. To me, it felt much more expedient just to have Braddock and Revington meet and talk about it, because that really kind of catches you up. It tells you everything that you need to know about it in a really quick amount of time. That chapter would be super redundant if we did have a chapter with Ank walking around school. And then I felt like all the other stuff that really needed to be covered happens later on in the chapters. Now, that doesn't mean that what you said isn't right. Because that is something that I've heard more than once is, I want the school part to be longer. So, what I would say is just put a pin in that one. And if we finish the whole school arc... Like when Ankh leaves the school and you feel like that, man, I really wish that there was a lot more school. I'd love to hear that because then I might have to give into it and actually write something else happening in the school. I don't know what that would be. <laughs> um, there's a rule of repetition in writing where every time you repeat something, it gets a little less interesting. So I really don't want to hammer down on the Ankh doesn't really fit into the school and isn't really himself. Everybody wants him to be maddest, but he can't be. Uh, I think there's plenty of that. So I'd have to think of something else interesting to do now fun fact about that was actually the whole chapter that you heard last time with uh the rabbit and the hair getting smashed by the rock and running on the beach and all that that was actually a chapter that was added in the first time somebody said that they wanted more of the school so maybe i could think of something else like that i don't know as far as other feedback i got the only other thing i got was that it did lighten up the same person that told me the story was really dark said oh it did get a bit lighter right after that first little bit so I'm glad. Now, I'm, it's not a super, like, not going to be cheery the whole way through. The whole point of conflict is that you have to make your character suffer. But this was a very deliberate attempt not to be grimdark and not to be, like, super edgy and nasty for the sake of being edgy and nasty. So, anyway, without further ado, let's jump into the story. Thank you so much for being here. I'm going to do three chapters tonight just because now that I know for a fact it'll be a bi-weekly thing, I want to make it worth your time a bit more. <laughs> Alright, sorry, I gotta clear my throat. <clears throat> I will try to enunciate and do better voices. We'll see. Uh, here we go. Chapter 8 Ink received his summons on the fourth morning. He left Frampton some leftover lettuce from the previous evening's meal and ducked under the front flap of his tent. The torpid darkness of the pre-dawn felt damp against his skin. It was impossible to deny the thumping in his chest as Braddock led him into the lighthouse and up the winding stairs within. He scraped his fingernails against the rocky interior as they spiraled upwards, passing by familiar classrooms and office chambers. Anything higher had been strictly prohibited, and multiple anxieties continued to build as it became clear that their destination was the highest level of the titanic structure. I was hoping that we might share a few words before we reached the top. Braddock broke the weighted silence. You do not need my permission. I thought that you might be far removed. Perhaps you're s preparing yourself for what is coming. I would not despise a distraction. I see. Braddock stroked his beard as he bounded up the stairs at a pace that was only possible because of his oddly long legs. I want you to know that I commend you for overcoming so many adversities over this past year. But how do I say this? Say what? Perhaps full transparency is the best course. I have deep suspicions about the legitimacy of your recovery. 
Our laws have forbidden me from questioning you directly, but they will be irrelevant once you become a Radiant. If you would unburden yourself with the truth prior to that, it would benefit you greatly. How kind of the snake to show you its venom before the bite, Nordstrom judged. I am not sure how to respond. Braddock closed in, trapping Ank against the wall. Hesitation is but the currency of the conflicted. I will not place the blame upon you, child. Confess how you were able to be cured, and I will prosecute the one who most deserves it. Tell me, what did Revington do to you? Deny it all. I cannot speak to what happened, but I would certainly appreciate any insight that you might offer. I woke up in a wagon, and that is all that I know. Braddock huffed. As of this moment, I am unable to hold you accountable for what has been done, but that will change very soon. I am not your enemy, Mattis. The concern seemed genuine. Dishonesty tightened Ank's chest into a knot. I will never discredit the possibility that I was healed through unnatural means, Ank admitted. But how could I know what happened while I was unconscious? Mm, very well. Apologies. I should not have broached the subject. I was merely looking out for your best interests. They arrived at the top of the staircase. An imposing door made of varnished steel blocked the way forward. Golden metalwork was shaped into a shining sun at its center. There was no handle. Braddock pulled a yellow rose from the worn leather satchel that hung around his waist. He handed it over with a reassuring smile. Here you are. Another unique to clerics alone. Preciosa roses are cultivated to function as keys. They amplify spiritual energy. Music is the easiest way to imbue one with your own personal essence. Put the flower up to your lips and give it a little song. Ank did not like to sing. He could only recall a single tune, the one that father had always used to put Mattis to bed. He had overheard it a thousand times through the rotting wooden walls of home often while pretending that it was meant to bring him comfort as well. Pushing aside such memories, he lifted the rose to his mouth and whistled the simple melody. The velvety petals of the rose began to glow, and Ink could feel them pulling at something from deep within him. Static began to pop in tiny arcs through the air. The sun at the center of the door buzzed to life in response. There was a tumbling parade of metallic clangs as mechanisms began to churn from within the frame. The sharp spikes meant to represent sunlight tumbled loose and slowly rotated to the left in stilted clanks. Ah, so you are able to use the Preciosa. How very interesting. Braddock folded his arms. Considering that we never taught you how. Damn it. Ank's tongue swelled in the back of his throat as he fumbled for words. You seem to have all the answers lately. In fact... You have not made a single mistake since your grand return. It is as though you have the ancient tomes embedded within your brain. It was merely suspicious before, but now I am quite convinced of your duplicity, you conniving little worm. What? We survive on trust? Integrity is the lifeblood in our veins. But I sense nothing but treachery when I look into your eyes. Let me tell you what is going to happen next. You are going to pass your blasted transcendence, and then you will finally answer to me, not as your teacher, but as your adjudicator. 
I look forward to it. The hissing expression vanished into ceremonious austerity as Braddock suddenly pushed the heavy door open and ushered Ankenside. To the esteemed dimmer fallen order of clerics, he announced, I present Harold Mattis for his final review. The mysteries waiting from within the vaulted lantern room did not disappoint. The inside was a circle of mirrored glass flowing from an impeccably shined marble floor. The roof bubbled into a high dome that barely separated from an indigo from the indigo from an indigo night boiling over with stars that had yet to surrender themselves to the coming sun. The door sealed behind them, and with the outside lighting removed, the ground seemed to disappear into an inky black forever. The perfectly aligned array of reflections bounced around the chamber, creating the illusion that one was standing in the very center of the spiraling cosmos. A giant crystal hovered in the center of the display, surrounded by the dancing constellations that flickered against its icy structure. Sharpened pillars bulged out in every direction as though somebody had frozen an explosion in time. It spun in place, occasionally shooting an impossibly bright ray of white out from the lighthouse and over the bellowing ocean beyond. Ankh felt a wisdom emanating from the otherworldly stone. Looking into it reminded him of the frozen plain he had visited in death. Revington was dwarfed by the crystal, which was m more than twice his size. He stood in front of it, propped upright and rigid in his flowing ceremonial gown. This consistory has gathered to provide attestation. Harold Mattis, as the sovereign archpriest presiding over these lands, I do proclaim that you have met all of the requirements and standards set forth by Magna Lucius. Aye, aye, the other four luminaries stepped forth from the shadow, stomping their feet in time with the chant. That being said, you may only transcend with a unanimous agreement. <clears throat> and so I shall ask those present here today, has this young man proven himself worthy to rise and join our rank? Aye, aye, not one objection. Ank looked out from the corner of his eye and noticed Braddock's vindictive smile. He was coiled off failing to hide his impatient contempt. He would strike the very moment that the ritual ended. Excellent, then we are all in agreement. There is but one vote left to tally, but do we dare ask for it to be cast? Revington looked to his left and right. Aye, aye. Harold Mattis, have you acquired the knowledge to practice clerical tomatergy? Ank looked to the swirling giller galaxy around him, orienting himself to what mattered in the moment. I do. Do you have the wisdom to apply such knowledge? I do. Do you have the strength to use your wisdom, even when it is sure to cause you significant distress and hardship? I do. Ah, but do you have the will to continue when your strength should falter? Yes, I believe that I do. Very well. Then step forward and face the Dezesma Spiritus. He motioned back to the spinning crystal behind him. Call out to it with your very soul. Allow your deepest self to be exposed, and we shall see you tested. Ank focused on the misshapen ball of translucent spikes that spun before him. He had spent many nights looking up at the lighthouse, wondering how it created such a powerfully unwavering flare through the darkness. Where had it come from? What powered such a thing? He caught his reflection in one of the shimmering edges. He could never escape the feeling that the eyes looking back were not his own, but those of his brother instead, 
ever watching from some unknown shadow, weighing every thought and judging every action. He could not focus on the matter for long. The light washed over him. It dulled the senses and bit him closer. A high-pitched ring echoed within his ears. He became keenly aware that he was dizzy, reeling like a drunkard. The dome tilted from side to side. The light passed over him again, and again. It had a gravity all its own. The ringing in his ears grew in pitch and volume. He grabbed his ears and started fighting the urge to scream. And then there was only white. An emptiness that had no beginning or end. He was lost in a void. He reached out with all of his strength, straining against the dread that pulled him lower and lower into the great nothingness. A silhouette appeared before him. The figure had no discernible features, but it carried an obvious and tangible strength, like peering into the heart of a mighty storm from miles away. The shadow reached out with a very human hand, and ink clasped the outstretched palm desperately. It was cold and dripping with black, thick oil. Long fingers wriggled up, clamping down around Ank's wrists, and pulled. Chapter 9 Hey, mister, you alive? A cheery voice questioned. Something sharp poked into Ank's stomach. He willed his eyes open and fought nausea as the world tumbled into focus. Overlapping blurs combined into a single view, and he realized that there was a small boy standing over him, prodding him with a stick. Wowee, you gave me a real spook there, stranger. I thought you was another dead body. Ank groaned, but his disorientation was already fading. Where had he just been? The lighthouse. And now? Gentle green spikes tickled at his ears. He was in a bed of tall grass. Uh, I seem to be increasingly difficult to kill. Would you mind helping me up? The child obliged, but erupted into a fit of deep coughs from the strain of pulling up. Ank tried to make sense of his surroundings. He had been laying off to the side of an overgrown dirt trail. He was in a forest. A heavy fog rolled between the trees. The hacking did not stop for over a minute. The boy was left grabbing at his knees and gasping for air when it finally passed. That is quite a bark you have, young sir. Ank observed splotches of blood in the child's palms. I know. The child frowned. We all got it. Me and the folks at home, I mean. Apologies, I am... I'm lost. Did you say that you were concerned I was another dead body? Oh yeah, they've been piling up. Missionary Mary says we're all as good as finished. The information just directly contradicted his happy demeanor. Does this not frighten you? Well, not no more, glory be. You talk all proper, and I see that sun pinned upon your cloak. We, you've just got to be the healer we've all been waiting on. Ank looked down and saw that he was indeed wearing the standard white traveling robes issued to fully-fledged clerics. I see. Questions flurried within his mind, but he decided to whittle them down to the most urgent. I need to know where I am. The boy laughed. Wowee! I heard that your kind loved honey milk wine, but you must have drunk a whole mess of it to end up passed out without a prayer to save you. A shadow of sadness flashed across his face. Wait, does that mean that you ain't here to help? I am not sure. Any information that you can offer would help tremendously in figuring that out. The child pressed a fist to his chin and tilted his head to the left. Mister, this is Logging Camp 5-0, way out on the western frontier. We're at least a hundred miles from any kind of real town. Why else would you be way out here if you weren't going to save our hides? 
More coughing. That is a fair question to ask. Ank looked down at the boy. He was a scrawny, red-headed little thing, clearly wearing the oversized hand-me-downs of an older sibling. The copper pop of greasy strands wriggling out from his scalp <laughs> drooped down to form a heart shape around the kind of jaunty blue eyes that had not yet learned to hate the sound of his mother calling him in for supper. What is your name? Abe! Pleased to meet you. Likewise, my name is... Uh, he stopped. You may call me Mattis. You're looking awfully pale. You sure you ain't sick like the rest of us? Abe eyed him over. <laughs> I am not clear on how this works, but it seems obvious that this is all part of your transcendence. We need to follow him and learn more about the respiratory disease that is affecting this rural population. My guess is that we will need to cure in order to pass. Er, yes, I'm good. Thank you for your concern. Listen, Abe, you are correct. I am here to help your camp. Can you bring me to see a leader? Yeah, I knew it. Follow me. Abe fought off another coughing spell to jump into a run down the trail. The forest was wrought with a discomforting silence that lacked the chirping of birds or croaking of frogs. The tree-lined canopy loomed over them like skinny wooden bones reaching out. The path was lined with overgrown roots, wilted wildflowers, and dry brown leaves that crunched beneath their feet with every step. The cloudy air clung to them with the smells of damp earth. The route opened up into the main camp, which was comprised of a tight circle of crooked long cabins. Disorganized stacks of chopped wood lay scattered from different corners of the tree line. You're going to want to talk to Missionary Mary. I'll get her for you. Abe ran off. Look into your pouch. It stands to reason that there should be some sort of mask in there to protect you. The last thing we need is for you to die out here. Fun fact, I wrote this before. Like, this, I wrote this part before COVID. So don't think that that's like a, uh, <laughs> a jab about masks during COVID. It's actually really funny reading some of this knowing that a pandemic was about to start shortly after I wrote it. Anyway, <laughs> that was just a writer's note. I think it's funny. All right, jumping back in. <laughs> Ink followed the strap that was hanging from his right shoulder down into the pack that hung from it. He only recognized a portion of the examination tools and herbs stuffed into the leather satchel, but it was not hard to find the cotton dust mask from among the stranger items. He pressed it up to his face and, and jumped when it suddenly suctioned to his skin, creating a tight seal over his mouth and nose. Cleric! A lady exclaimed, Blessed be all the glories in all the skies above! She began hobbling towards him, weakly extending her cane and then shuffling to catch up with it. A wisp of tattered flannel, she had to stop and cough with every laborious step. Angst rode forward to meet her. Steady yourself, woman. There's no need for such exertions. He placed his arm around her waist to steady her. She nearly collapsed into the support. Bless you! Bless you! There were tears streaming from her eyes. We had all but given up hope. Never in a thousand lifetimes did we dare to believe that we might be worthy of a cleric's personal attention. More tears. Forgive my doubts, you dear soul. It is not that I have lacked faith in your goodness, just in the strength of my own prayers. Ank wondered if he should tell her that he was just a student, but her unbridled joy moved him to silence. Please, Settle, you appear to be quite ill. Oh, I am. We all are. Such a dreadful disease, <laughs> she wheezed. Starts in the lungs and chokes you for months before finishing its work. So much suffering. 
The wrinkled flaps of her leathery skin flapped with every spasm. Heat from her forehead steamed through Ankh's sleeve. How long has your camp been suffering this way? A year, at least. Hard to say. It creeps, you know. Time. She found her own legs and finally stood apart from Ankh's embrace. She attempted a stilted curtsy. My name is Marionette, Lord, and I am so honored to be in your presence. A local child referred to you as Missionary Mary. Yes, such a puerile title. I am an instrument of the Ecclesia Mysteria Cordonae. I was dispatched on this expedition to keep its wayward souls in harmony. Please know that I have done my best. These woodsmen are prone to many shames. They are. Your faithfulness honors you, Ankh comforted. He listened for Nordstrom's guidance and moved to the task at hand. Now it is my turn. Have you quarantined the sick? I swear this was written before COVID. <laughs> now it is my turn. Have you quarantined the sick? We did in the beginning, of course, but there has hardly been a need since we all started sharing symptoms. Community is the only comfort we have left. Of course, such hopelessness weighed on Ankh's soul. Let us return to your bed so that I might begin my work. Ankh guided her back towards the cabin she had come from. As they walked, he noticed faces peering from every window. Withered cheeks and noses were flattened against dusted glass as they crowded to get just a glimpse of him. You cannot blame them for being curious, but I had Abe run and order them all to stay out of your way, she smiled. He is such a good lad, the healthiest of us all, though I fear that even he is getting worse. Put your worries to rest, sweet mother. Ankh opened the cabin's wooden door and eased the frail woman into a modest patchwork bunk. I am here. We will need some sputum to confirm a diagnosis. Marionette, Ankh hesitated. This may sound odd, but I'm going to need you to spit into my palm. I would not dare defile your holiness in such a way, Mary gasped. Oh, but you must, he insisted. Now please take a deep breath and hold it until you feel the urge to cough. He put out an open hand. It might seem crass, but there's no time to argue. Please trust the process. She grimaced, but did as she was told. Thick globs of chunky mucus splattered out with every wretch. Ank had to restrain his own gag reflex as it curdled against the creases in his palm, running little strings of snot down the forearm like mudded, melted butter. Nordstrom opened the clerical third eye and analyzed the dripping slime. It was a combative swirl of whites, yellows, and greens. Their green orbs were sharper and less spherical. They lashed out aggressively, attempting to destroy everything around them. Fungi! Sanguasuga aspergillus, Specifically... Tell me, Marionette, does your chest hurt? She grasped at her heart and nodded, still reeling. That seals it. Chest pain, fever, shortness of breath, and sanguasuga esperagulis. It is a classic case of forager's lung. Chin up. We can help these people. Now wipe off your hand. You disgust me. Do you all share a common refuse heap? Is it nearby? I need to find some rotten vegetation. Ank was more enthralled than he had expected. There was a thrill to the practice that he had never shown through during, that had never shown through during lecture. Lives were at stake. Marionette raised an eyebrow. You are quite a bit more indecorous than I might have imagined. Ank was able to lead them 
Abe was able to sorry, Abe was able to lead them to the nearby dumping site. I didn't know healing could be so much fun. He could not hide his laughter. Playing in waste all day? I want to learn everything I can about it. Ink patted the boy's shoulder. I believe that you would make an excellent medicus. Clerics cannot be everywhere at once, and we need helpers like you to administer treatments across the land. The boy tried to skip, but his weakened frame failed him. He caught himself on a nearby trunk before following down onto his face. Medicus Abe, he screamed at the top of his crackling lungs. I like it. He started chasing imaginary patients, apparently stabbing at them with his trusty stick. Ink scanned the loosely contained piles of waste until he found a nice patch of decaying greenery. Flies danced in twos and threes above the browning leaves. The smell was sweetly sour like old vinegar. Crap old. We need to use the blue cones to exchange for brown circles and make more yellow ones. Ink wondered if Nordstrom was ever going to actually explain the reasoning behind their actions. He was thankful for the help and knew he would be lost without it, but sometimes it was hard not to feel like a puppet. He was constantly being told exactly what to say and do. Oh, you wish to understand more about the science of tematurgy. Commendable. Forgive me for oversimplifying the matter. We are making a standard antifungal tincture. To start, we are looking for streptomochal fungal cells. We need to bind them with floating ergotrilosa so that they deconstruct. You will take what is left and isolate the substrand streptomochidal medioconidaeus in order to create a linear polyonal consisting of a conjugated oxotrosical group and one hexacated moiety. Ank wondered what Chow was doing. This is why I'm always reluctant to share. You have the attention span of a fecal parasite. Now make me some damned yellow circles and leave the understanding in my hands. Moments later, they were heading back towards Marionette. Vials filled with the antifungal serum clinked against one another as they dangled from the medicine strap around Ink's waist. When they arrived at the bedside, the old woman was resting on her back, moaning with a warm cloth over her eyes. Here, sweet mother, sit from this and see yourself made whole. Ink fastened one of the tubes from his belt and offered it forward. Her hands wrapped themselves around his and squeezed tenderly. I have lived by the philosophy of charity since I was indoctrinated as a young girl. But I never imagined a mercy such as yours, Clerk. In my darkest hours, I have allowed pride and anger to pollute my commitment. I am not worthy. Ank gently pushed their hands to, toward her trembling lips. Not a single one of us deserves glory, and yet it shines upon us all the same. Ah, oh, that it does. She drank it all in two hard pulls and then laid her head back down with a content sigh. She will need time to recover. Let us go and distribute the rest. We can check back on her afterward. Lord, Marionette whimpered, there is some pain. Ank turned in the doorway and looked back. There was a small hiss from her flagile lips, like steam off a boiling kettle. She began slowly rocking her head back and forth. This... This is not right. This is not. She reached for her throat and started scratching at it. Blood cascaded down her fingers in tiny streams as she clawed through her own skin. Her eyes sank into her skull, darkening into blackened sockets. Help me! For glory's sake! Help! Please! Ank ran over and tried to restrain her arms, but she overpowered him. Her veins rotted black as they carried certain death throughout her frail body. Spasms overcame her, and she bucked herself from the bed onto the floor. 
blood burst forth from her orifices, leaving spots of red across the walls and ceiling. She arched her back and started kicking out in wails. The paper-thin layers of her aged skin split as though they were being pushed outward from within. Bobbled toadstools sprouted from the open wounds. The screams gurgled out of her throat as they became overgrown with more mushrooms. The putrid stems choked her from within. The wretched blob of spores that had once been her face turned to ink and wheezed in a low gurgle. Faxtum. It is the tongue of the deep sea, she said. The feast. Aturnvum. Is never satisfied. The rattling body fell flat, and all that remained of Missionary Mary was a mound of steaming compost. Chapter 10 Did you kill her on purpose? Abe wiped dangling strings of vomit from his chin. The room was spinning. No, of course not. Ank steadied himself on the nearest bedpost. I should have known this would not be so easy. Curing a simple outbreak of forager's lung is hardly a worthy test. There is something much more nefarious at work. Pushing through a pouting lip, Abe puffed out his chest and sharpened his gaze. I don't even care that you're a cleric. As far as I can see, you just murdered the best woman I've ever known. Calm down, lad. Grant me a moment to think. Ink wiped his brow. I'll give two bleeding stones for all you're thinking. Fix her! Now! I, I, I cannot. Ink choked back his own vial. Then what good are you? Abe pursed his lips. A provoked lion, he lurched forward, but then quickly reconsidered. I believed in you. I really did. He ran back through the open door. The boy is in distress, but do not chase him. He will find reason in time. We must focus. Ink followed the unspoken lead and bent over to inspect a mushroom that had sprouted from one of Marionette's eye sockets. It was a tiny bent stalk that bloomed into a porous brown cap. The only thing I know for certain is that this is a contagion that was born from the deep sea. Likely introduced through a shared water source, then. Seems likely. That would be a good place to start. A group like this would have to use a nearby stream or lake, correct? No. It is more likely that they dug their own well. Then we have to find it. A surge of purpose drove Ank out from the cabin. A middle-aged man was waiting for him outside. He was starved to bare bones and wore a ragged cotton shirt smeared with vomit and mucus. Gray skin hung from the sharp points of his elbows. Ank took a moment to pity the poor human, who had undoubtedly been a formidable lumberjack before taking ill. Pardon me, sir. I am sure that you have questions, but there is no time. Could you please direct me to the source of your water? The man's lifeless, swollen eyes rolled upwards. Forgive it, He gargled. It is the same dialect as before. He offers an ultimatum. Leave this place or die. I understand how you must feel, but I assure you that I am here to help. The man craned his neck, allowing his jaw to fall open. A crusted tongue dangled out and flittered like a serpent. Forgive it, He repeated in the same lifeless tone. I suspect that we are not speaking with a man at all body is a shell possessed by a secondary consciousness. 
The logger lunged, clawing at Ankh's mask with unkept, mustard-yellow fingernails. He is attempting to infect you. Restrain him. A primal instinct took over as Ankh deflected the scratching hands. He took hold of the man's swinging elbow with one hand and grabbed the nape of his neck with the other. He twisted his hips and rammed the attacker's skull into the side of Marionette's cabin with more force than intended. There was a crack, and the body went lipped and folded to the ground. You blithering oaf! I said restrain, not incapacitate! Ankh looked at the small splatter of blood left on the wall, and then the twitching figure collapsed beneath it. You really need to learn to control your own strength. These are normal people, not the ordained superhumans you've grown accustomed to spying with. Now, can we please move along before you accidentally murder the entire bleeding camp? The well was not difficult to find. It was surrounded by a crude pile of rocks with a bucket and rope next to it. Ankh ran and looked down into the wide, seemingly bottomless hole bored into its center. We need to draw another sample. The bucket's rustling steel was cold against his fingers. He leaned forward to drop it in. Tiny footsteps clopped as they rushed towards him from behind. Look what you've done! I hope you drown! Abe cried. Two hands slammed into the middle of Ankh's spine before he could react. The world inverted as he was shoved into the hole. Reflexes shot one of his arms out to reach for the rim, but the rock his palm landed on broke loose. His stomach lurched from the sudden fall. The circle of light above shrank smaller. Jagged rocks tore at his skin as he tumbled down, bouncing between the earthen walls. He plummeted out from a birthing and crashed into a still pool. The chilled water spiked his reeling faculties, creating a confused swirl of bubbles and blackness. Get us to the surface and find your bearings. I do not believe that we are seriously injured. Numbed legs kicked out and pushed him towards the very dim light that he could just barely be made out through the murky maze. Ankh broke through the surface and struggled to take a deep enough breath through the stifling material of his mask. He considered removing it. Absolutely not. Everything down here is full of contaminants. <laughs> he swam to the craggy edge of the reservoir and clung himself to one of the many stalagmites that towered from below. The, ca the cavern was much larger than expected. The well's opening high above provided a single column of light that pierced through the darkness. It shone against the closest drip stones, creating a circular boscage of pointed materials that hung like teeth. A placid mist settled over the water, churning in puffs that twinkled with dusty specks against the lonely sunbeam. Ankh felt his hand slipping. He looked and realized that the entire structure he was wrapped around was covered in a gelatinous fungi. Fibrous strands stuck to his palm when he pulled away. I believe we have found our Sanguigasoga. We do not have the complete picture. A critical piece is still missing. There was a bump against his legs, which had been waiting in place to help keep him afloat. What was that? Another bump, followed by a tug. Ankh looked down, but could not discern what was testing him. Oh good, there's something else down here with us. I am certain it will not be terrifying or horrible at all. Hot pain lanced through the right hip and suddenly Ankh had been pulled back beneath the water. Velvet ribbons of blood streamed from the wound. The attacking mass whipped around from the depths and rushed forward again. Ankh withdrew a dagger from his side and prepared to strike back. The giant shadow hissed with a perfect oval layer of, layered with rows of teeth. Ankh responded with a quick slash from his blade, but missed. I cannot see what we are battling. It is too 
The surface was not far. Ang swam towards it, but the beast lashed out from the depths, ripped into an ankle, and pulled him deeper before retreating. It all happened before Ang could react, and hot panic began to rise, rise from his bowels. He was outmatched. There were two more sad attempts at rushing to the desperately needed air above, but each time he was quickly pulled down deeper. Bites came with the pain of getting punctured by fifty razors. The water around him was turning a deep red. Fear hammered out from behind his ribs. His lungs were fire. He needed oxygen. Was he actually going to die? A formless hand took hold of Ang's sinking body. There was the feeling of a plug being released from the back of his brain. The unseen force began to suck at his very core, draining off his wild desperation to live. All of the dread was siphoned out, leaving only a paralyzing apathy. Something is... eating our psyche. Of course, this explains everything. Ank, try for the surface again. You will make it. Mindlessly, Ank made one more anemic push upwards. The creature did not attack, and he crashed out of the water seconds before unconsciousness. Air flooded in with greedy grasps. It will give us a moment. Breathe deep and listen while you can. The beast is a parasitous exidium, or death lamprey. A powerful ocean psychic that feeds on the fear humans experience before they die. It is going to keep us suffering for as long as possible, which means that the only advantage we have is time. Ank had a difficult time mustering excitement over that last part. He was pulled back down mid-breath, flooding the interior of his mouth with stale water that shot down his throat into his lungs. Ank grabbed for his throat as he coughed in spasms, twisting in the crushing weightlessness of being submerged. It expects you to keep struggling to go up. Swim down while you can. Maybe we can surprise it. Ank somersaulted and used both arms to pull himself deeper. The lamprey was coiled there, a long slithering knot of black muscle headed by a gaping mouth. It pulled back with lightning speed and reared to strike like a whip before the crack. Stab it. Grab it with both hands and turn its skin to stone. Anything. This will only work once. The two bodies collided. The lamprey wrapped its long serpentine body around Ank's torso and legs. It squeezed with a demonic strength. Ank had been ready. He began stabbing furiously without worrying about a specific target. Black tar shot out of each wound. The lamprey attempted to clamp its unhinged jaw around Ank's throat, who quickly rocketed his fist down the open gullet instead. The layers of teeth flayed his forearm instantly, but he needed only a moment. He flattened his palm and pressed down, opening his third clerical eye. The lamprey's genetic structure was comprised of tightly packed black squares. Ank willed total destruction upon anything within his reach. They burst into smaller and smaller orbs, which caused the segment of the creature's body to pressurize and explode. The lamprey released his grip and swam off into the darkness, leaving a long trail of its gushing blood. Ank raced back to the surface and drew in some much-needed oxygen. There was no time to savor the relief. He paddled to a stone pillar and braced himself against it. He put both bleeding hands out and connected with the water structure. He isolated the blue orbs he needed. The timing would have to be perfect. The enraged lamprey came charging out of the depths to finish its prey. Ank activated his trap and began to slow the water's molecular rotation, rapidly freezing it to ice just as the beast's head came out, crashing out to bite his face off. The lamprey was trapped mid-jump within a newly formed block of ice. Ank drew deeply from his powers to reinforce the glacial prison until he was satisfied there could be no escape.
The once terrifying lamprey floated harmlessly in its own personal iceberg, drifting away from the point where Ank had captured it. Expedia. It hissed, wriggling its neck back and forth desperately. Oh, have you found your voice? Ank was surprised. Yes, it is a very intelligent monster. It is commanding you to set it free. Ink wiped a large smattering of blood from his brow and looked at the stringy flaps of skin that had been shredded from his right arm. You are not leaving this place alive. The lamprey continued to strain against its frozen shell, trying to break free. It is afraid. How delicious. Death lampreys are exceptionally vile. They take great joy in sinking any ships that get lost at sea. They feed on the sailors one by one while they drowned. Fextum, aternum, the lamprey barked. Fextum, aternum. That is what missionary Mary said before she died. Are you somehow responsible for the disease above? Something close to a cackle rose from deep within the monster. Esculivamentivus, whisperav mea dolorosvent. I see. Nordstrom considered how to best explain the situation. This clever little bugger found a way into the reservoir from the ocean. It formed a strong telepathic connection to everyone living here, and then infected their water source to make them sick. It has been feasting upon their hopelessness for months. The constant food supply has helped to grow remarkably powerful. It has full control of everyone, and would have prolonged their anguish for many years. You killed Marionette because I was going to cure her and sever your link, Ink reasoned. More laughter. Indeed, and now it wishes to bargain for its life. You want to negotiate for your freedom? What could you possibly have to offer me? Sangvus enum sangvus. It cackled. Blood for blood. If you let it go, it will return to the deep sea and release the camp from its control. And if I kill you, then you will end them all. Ank was disgusted. The lamprey only responded with more throaty laughter. I know what you are thinking, Ankh, but if you let the death lamprey this powerful escape, it will cause untold havoc and destruction elsewhere. This may seem heartless, but you must end it now. One camp is not worth this heavy of a price. The adrenaline was starting to wane, and Ankh found himself feeling heavier by the moment. It was an impossible decision. He could not willingly condone the loss of so many innocent lives. I know this is terrible. If these few people do not die today, then thousands upon thousands more will suffer for it later. Such is the cruelty of their fate. Ank slowly raised his knife from below the water and tried to steady the shaking hand that was holding it. One quick stab to the lamprey's brain would do it. Nice and easy. He closed his eyes and prepared to finish the kill. No! A voice cried from above. A body dropped through the well's opening and splashed into the water next to Ankh. It was Abe, who ungracefully paddled closer. You're not really going to do it, are you? You can't let us die. You can't. Ink turned and looked into the poor boy's pleading eyes. What are you doing down here? I've been listening the whole time. I'm begging you, please don't do it. It's not as simple as that, Ink said. It is, though. Clerics are supposed to be heroes. Heroes save people. Please. Ank wrapped himself around Ank in a desperate embrace. Please, please, please! Tears rolled down Ank's eyes as he returned the hug, fiercely kicking his legs to keep them both afloat despite the boy's added weight. Medicus Abe? The child looked up. Yes? 
You will not perish this day. Do you swear? Yes. I will let this cowering eel go after we are safe above ground. You absolute fool. This is a mistake. Are you even listening to me? Compassion could never be the wrong choice. Ank would hunt the lamprey down somewhere else if he had to, but the logging camp would survive to see another day. A rope was lowered down. Ank allowed Abe to go up first and then climbed out of the cavern with quivering hands. The lamprey's echoing laughter chased him the entire way. When he finally collapsed out of the well and landed upon solid ground, it became fully obvious exactly how wounded he was. Every part of him was sliced, torn, bruised, or broken. Everyone at the camp had gathered around, likely rallied by Abe before he had dived in to intervene on their behalf. They clapped and cheered, celebrating joyously. Maddis! 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 They sang. The crowd lifted Ank's body from the dirt and lifted him above their shoulders. It was easy to revel in the excitement. He had never been applauded. The bottomless hole in his heart drank in the love. It felt incredible, and he desperately needed more. Then it all stopped and fell to complete silence. Everything froze in place. Ah, so this is what you truly desire, Abe mused. Praise, respect, adulation, to be worshipped even. There was a bright flash and the boy faded away. A tall man, brazen and mighty, stood in his place instead. Greetings, Mattis. Your transcendence has concluded. May I be the first to congratulate you on completing such a difficult gauntlet? Ink fell awkwardly from his place atop the unmoving mob. He landed with a hard thud that screamed above his many other pains. Who, who, who are you? The man offered a gentle fatherly smile. My beloved Harold, do you not see? I am the one who screamed at the world's end and won mercy from the gods. I am the first of our kind and your progenitor. I am the paterfamilias. I am Arpikshad. And all right, everybody, that's going to do it for tonight. Thank you so much for listening. I enjoy this little adventure here, this little thing in the logging village. Uh, it's kind of like the adventure that I wanted to do, like the cleric stories for. Um, I hope that you enjoyed it. And thank you just again so much for listening. I'll see you again next time. Have a great night.